lifetimes of listening. Throughout middle school, everyone knew that I kept fighting for first year and nobody was able to like push me back down. And you know, I get emotional now, but that's the day I fell in love with the clarinet. But then when you hear it in a song, it just like makes you feel almost like validated. For our drum line, we would have group costumes. One year, we dressed up as crayons. I grew up in rural Pennsylvania. We had a festival every year. It was the first time I heard a marching band. Lifetimes of Listening. Welcome to Lifetimes of Listening, a podcast that seeks to understand why music is important in people's lives. Today's episode is why marching band is important. Have you ever wondered why people who are in band in high school relish that time and grow nostalgic for it later in life? Many of the musical memories that have been shared with us recount a love of being in or hearing a marching band. As a former marching band member, I'm looking forward to today's topic. Uh, I'm really comfortable living in both the positive and the negative stereotypes of having been a a band geek when I was in high school, which is uh, perhaps not as powerful of a stereotype now as it was in the 1980s, but... I don't know. Dan, uh, were you ever in a marching band? Or in- I was never in, quote-unquote, a marching band, but I do have a marching band experience, and it's, and it's kind, kind of limited and kind of unique. And that is that when I was in high school, I was in the percussion section of the concert band. We didn't have a marching band at Jennings High School in suburban St. Louis because we didn't have a football team. We didn't have a football team because some decades before, a student had died in a football game. So the School district got rid of the football program until I was a senior in high school, actually. But we never had a marching band. But once a year, the concert band, under the direction of Charles K. Schmidt, who was our concert band director, and believe me, we had a tremendous concert band. Once a year, the concert band would march in the annual school parade at the end of the school year. And Charles K. Schmidt, our conductor, would take us out early in the mornings, 7, 8 o'clock in the mornings, for the couple weeks in May or June leading up to the to the big end-of-year school parade and march us around the neighborhoods of the high school playing with 100 or so students, blaringly loud, and all these people pe- peering out there. I'll never forget it. People, men and women, peering, and little kids peering out the front door. <laughs> what the heck is going on? Oh, they're practicing <laughs> for the school parade. And that's my only experience with, quote-unquote, marching band. It wasn't at football games. It was just marching down the street, with my bandmates from concert band once a year uh, in Jennings, Missouri. But uh, a great and very memorable experience for me. How about you? Well, I, yeah, I, I was in band all through junior high and high school. I have so many stories I, I, would, uh, I would take up all day if I, if I walked through all of them. But they, uh, I, I, it, it, I was at the Saints game. I marched in um, Disneyland and Disney World. I, I marched in uh, Miami and Denver and Atlanta, and uh, as well as many times in Pascagoula, Mississippi, where I, I was in school. I, I've, uh, I've been in marching bands that um, were militaristic in style, and I've been in the high school marching band where you, you know, where you still were walking along and trying to pick up candy in between uh, in between songs uh, from off the float from before. So here in this podcast, we're building this podcast out of the Arizona Musical Memory Archive. And as of now, we have over 140 interviews that are posted that you can listen to at musicalmemories.music.arizona.edu. We are really excited to bring these stories to you in this podcast. 
We have a special guest on today's podcast about the marching band experience. It's going to be Chad Shukman, who's the director of athletic bands at the University of Arizona School of Music, and he'll be sharing his thoughts about the marching band experience and some reactions to musical memories that we'll share with him in just a moment. Welcome to Lifetimes of Listening, Chad. Thank you. Um, you're the Associate Director of Bands, Director of Athletic Bands, Conductor of the Wind Symphony and the Pep Bands, and the Pride of Arizona Marching Band. Um, what was the first band that you were in? The first music ensemble I was in was in Plano, Texas. I was in the Children's Chorus in Plano. That was the first official ensemble. As an instrumental musician, um, they started music in Texas in sixth grade, which was called middle school. And um, so that was the first band I really played in. And they were really incredible. I didn't realize just how amazing uh, that ensemble was. They recorded on vinyl every year an album as a middle school band, um, both ensembles there. And, uh, you know, I, my, my dad a, was a former fighter pilot. And uh, so I... That's where I thought I was going to go, and the music part of it came from my folks who were really active, uh, musical theater, untrained. My mother has a, an incredible voice, an untrained voice that just is naturally amazing. So I grew up around it, but uh, it was my middle school uh, concert band, so where I started. Can you tell us a bit about the journey that brings you to where you are today, uh, involved with bands here at the University of Arizona School of Music? Well, that's that's a that's a great question. Um, I I think you know my parents wanted me to play an instrument because music was an important part of their lives, both in school for them and in church. And so for me, um, you know, picking up an instrument was something that was important to my family. And I thought, okay, and they wanted me to play saxophone. You know, everybody plays saxophone. Okay. So the middle school band director came to our elementary school, and you know, what do you want to do? I want to play saxophone. And what I didn't know at the time is every kid wants to play saxophone. And so the eye roll and kind of the sigh, and he said, well, can you buzz your lips like this? And he made the buzzing sound. And I remember, because my dad's a pilot, running around my house, acting like an airplane, going, you know, and I did that for him. And he said, trumpet. And I went, oh, okay. <laughs> and then I kind of sort of took to it um, and really enjoyed it. They had such a strong, amazing program that they would actually give Part of your private lessons were part of the band class. So a student would be pulled out and go to their lesson in the middle of band class for half of the band class. And so my trump, my first trumpet teacher was uh, a man named Glenn Bell, who was principal trumpet of the Dallas Ballet Opera Orchestra. You know, so I'm 10, 11 years old getting this incredible teaching. And so it really gave me a good fundamental um, start, and I fell in love with it and uh, had some success with it. Got into high school, we moved back. We moved back to Tucson uh, at that point, probably midway through eighth grade year. Um, and that was, that was a tough move because I really had found my place in that band. I was sitting first chair in the trumpet section and it was a big deal and uh, the job changed for my parents. And so they, in essence, bribed me with a brand new silver Bach trumpet. And I went, okay, 
And so <laughs> really wasn't up to me, but it was, it was clever on my parents' part um, and was able to, to come back here and uh, finished up my middle school at Cross uh, and then went to Canyon DeLauro High School. Um, and it was there that I kind of realized I, I had more of a interest and ability in history, uh, English, literature, music, and I was finding more success there. The sciences, math, these things were not as readily uh, achievable for me. And I started to realize that, you know, if I wanted to go to the Air Force Academy, that's the governor appoints two people from each state, and I got a C in my first physical science class. And so I'm thinking, may not happen. And I started to just kind of pay attention to the success I was having, what seemed to be a natural fit, what people wanted me to do and, and and seemed to enjoy me doing. And so that that really, I fell in love with that. And then Greg Hansen came to the University of Arizona and, and his mother was a very famous trumpet player. Faye Hansen had done a lot of amazing work. She was one of the first people to x-ray brass players and she would use those x-rays to look at tongue placement and mouth shape. One of the first people to really ever do that. Um, and so Greg came and would listen to trumpet players and at different high schools, and he started giving me lessons in my senior year, and he would come out to the high school once a week, and that led to a scholarship here at the U of A. I came here and studied with him and had such a great experience and connection with him, and in that period of time, Ed Reed came in and was a great trumpet teacher halfway through my time, uh, and then I ended up staying on and getting my master's in conducting with Greg because I just felt such a strong connection to him. Um, and during that time, I was spending summers at Disneyland and in Disney World performing as part of their college music program. And that got me connected with studio musicians in L.A. and, and some of these amazing park musicians in Orlando. And I kind of fell in love with that experience and just turned out that right as I was finishing my master's, Disney had an opening in a group called Future Corps, which was kind of a marching band, uh, drum corps, um, and... Uh, they remembered me from the college program and said, hey, do you want to come out and audition? And I flew out on spring break and auditioned, and they hired me right there. Had to finish my master's degree up about a month early to get out there. Um, and then started working for Disney. And that, that band lasted, a, they had lasted 18 years total, but I was there the last year, and then they were let go. So show business hit me hard right out of the gate. I was like, okay, this is how it is. Um, while I was at Disney, I taught Magic Music Days workshops, Disney Performing Arts. Uh, so I got to do clinics with high school bands, which led to adjudications and all sorts of things. My time at Disney working with those great musicians connected me with people like Chuck Owen and his Jazz Surge big band at South Florida, um, which connected me to Gordon Goodwin and allowed me to play big band with Gordon Goodwin's big fat band and um, get to work with some of those studio musicians I had met um, in the college program previously, but get to tour to Australia and Japan and France and Germany and um, even spent a couple of years um, playing with the Frankfurt, the Hessischer Rundfunk radio big band in Frankfurt, Germany, um, which was an amazing experience getting to do that. Um, and so Disney was really the catalyst for that. But I realized there were a lot of lessons that I had learned as a professional musician that I thought, you know, if I had the opportunity, education, music ed was my bachelor's, conducting was my master's, so teaching was always a passion of mine. And the opportunity when this job came open and I was speaking with Greg Hansen about it and really expressed my interest and desire to come home, give back, and then the opportunity to share some of the experiences and stories with students 
where I could talk about sitting literally in the chair they're sitting in, in the room they're sitting in. I was right there, not so, what seemed like not so many years ago, but turns out it is. Um, an opportunity to share some of those stories, things I wished I had known, things that I, I think they could be exposed to that would help them grow as artists and musicians, whether they were going to do that full time or as a hobby or whatever. These were these were lessons that I thought were really valuable. And, and what I'm hearing is some some youthful experiences that got you connected with music, and that really pointed you in a direction that that you have followed very fortunately, very diligently with brass and band music. Uh, I recall uh, taking my kids to Disney World in 1983 when they were maybe five and eight years old. And the marching band thing that went on there, it was the 15th anniversary of Disney World, and they had marching bands, spectacular stuff. My kids still talk about that. Uh, yeah, so. I, some of the best musicians I've ever played with play at those parks. Those opportunities really allowed me to kind of channel what I was doing. But it was really just paying attention. I, I think a lot of young people try to have everything figured out. And it was more like just listening and paying attention to what what was I having success with? What was it that was bringing me joy and fulfillment? What did I not mind working tirelessly at? And so, you know, in Orlando, I had that connection with uh, the British Brass Band world as well. There was just so many outlets. And so getting to conduct the Brass Band of Central Florida for five, six years and go to England and compete, that's such a cool thing to be able to bring back here. There are lots of things that I'd love to utilize that way. So the wealth of experience I got was a direct result of that and life experience. It was, it was not just music experience, but just amazing life experience working with great, great people, talented people. Well, we've, we've asked you here today to, um, to listen to some stories that we've collected in the, in the musical memory archive that are of people who, um, were moved incredibly by bands or, were in marching bands and and it marked them in a way um, that you know marked them for life in a in a in a real sense and so um, and hoping that you can just r- respond to them help help share uh, help us set these in, in a context. I would love that. The first story that I'm going to play for you is by a student um, that uh, was in a class of mine in the fall of 2022, Alexis Rivera, and I will let her tell her story. Hello, I am Alexis Rivera-Janelle. I am a student at the University of Arizona. I'm a sophomore majoring in animal science. In high school, I participated a lot in band activities. So I was in jazz band, marching band, and concert band. Marching band is a lot of work. It's like uh, hours of practice in the heat after classes. And it's hours after a football game where you have to put the instruments away. So you spend a lot of time with each other. And it's that sort of thing where you see, you hear the music for the first time of what you're going to play. And then it's like putting the pieces of a puzzle together of learning the steps of the show, learning the music, putting all the pieces together and performing that as one and just being in sync and just kind of feeling the passion of all the hard work we had put into that show. This was the year before COVID. It was the state championships for marching band. I was playing the snare drum. I was a part of the drum line that year. Being a drum line, it's kind of like you're the heartbeat of the like a marching band performance. So you kind of have to always be hyper-focused on the tempo and 
you know, the echo back in a stadium and how that plays with everybody else's hearing and the march and the conductor's um, timing as well. So there was like three parts of the show and it was the last song. And it was in the middle of the performance where I had just looked up at our drum major and she was smiling as she was conducting. And it was just kind of like those chills moment you get. It was kind of like this is like sort of like a happy place to be around other students just performing. And it was like my last performance for Marching Man. I played a lot of music in high school and there was just um, many times where I just felt happier just being in a band playing music, practicing and practicing until it like sounds great with everybody else. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, that's I think that's probably the most common sentiment. Marching band is a uniquely American phenomenon. It doesn't happen anywhere else. Um, it has a strong military tradition. Um, it kind of evolves out of that, uh, but it is turned into much more of a of a kind of almost theater stage show, but on a 300-foot stage that is the, the marching field. Um, but I think one of the things that is really great about the band room at every school, you know, before safe spaces was a term that you ever heard, the band room was the safe space. That's where everybody, every, all the band kids go there for lunch. Everybody hangs out there. That's where your people are. And I think it comes from the idea that uh, and I, I definitely try to promote this with the pride, um, the idea that we're going to leave everything at the door and we're going to have a shared vision and a shared goal of doing this activity to the best of our ability. Nothing else matters. And then you have people that have different views of the world, different experiences, different challenges, different uh, worries and struggles, and may not agree on anything with each other outside of this shared vision of performance excellence through this activity. Um, and when you're focused singularly on an idea like that, you get a snapshot of what the world could be if we decided to have you know, full commitment to one shared vision of something. And we, we put all our energy towards that. Um, all the other things sort of melt away. And then what really becomes important is, all right, if I stumble, this person's gonna hold me up. If they stumble, I've got them. And that interaction is what really promotes that sense. N nobody else would go outside, march around in 100 degree heat, put on wool uniforms, and just suffer that way. I mean, marching band is a crazy activity. It doesn't make sense. It's not something people should want to do. So what makes it so uh, appealing is the people and, and the shared family environment. And, and I tell the pride this all the time, is you will have a mirror in the band. Whatever you're going through, somebody else has either gone through, may go through, uh, you're there for them. And you start looking at the humanity of each other, and that allows you to view someone you may not normally ever interact with in the world. An engineering major with a veterinary science, with a sign language major, with a, you know, all, all things that may not intersect at all. Um, from all over the country or all over the world or all over your city. And at that moment, we're all together. And so on the field, you're performing. It's this uniformed expression that we've all worked really, really hard together to get to. Um, and so it's as much about the people that you do the activity with as the activity itself, and maybe even more so. And that's what I love about her, her comments. 
um, about the long hours, because it is. There's, it's an enormous amount of work. And relative to the performance time, you rehearse way more than you ever will perform. But you're doing it together. Yeah, what impressed me about <clears throat> Alexis's story is is the, the kind of the dichotomy of it that the hard, the incredibly hard work, the hours and hours of work, the attention to detail, the discipline, the connection, as you say, the the, the knowing that you're depending on other people and they on you. And then on the other hand, this moment of looking at the drum major and seeing the smile and just feeling joy, just feeling that all this work has been worth it, <clears throat> has been why we're here and what, this, what the payoff is for us and our audience. So it's a really touching story. I mean, she goes, the amount of detail she goes into, <laughs> the echo patterns with the drums, I'm, I'm, I'm that, not a real... That was, that was fascinating yeah, to me. Because I, I, I was in marching band through um, seventh grade to twelfth to grade, and, and I actually had scholarships that I turned down because I, I, I burned myself out. Oh, I didn't sure. want to continue. Sure. Um, but uh, that, the, I, I can remember that you know like having to play with the phasing where you know, it's sort of like the nope the right uh right side of the field is one click ahead of the left <laughs> side that's a that's a real problem you know oh, and it, yeah. all of those kinds of things it just it's uh i i mean i'm i guess because of the repetition i i mean i you know it's like i'm i'm smelling cut grass right now <laughs> like you know like i i'm it the memories are so strong of that yeah well, Ken, Kenny Werner, a very famous jazz pianist, wrote a book called Effortless Mastery. And it, it really was about, you know, the power of repeating one figure until it is crafted perfectly. You know, we, we talk about trying to accomplish a lot. And, and one of the things that marching band is sort of a knock is sometimes the material is not high end. That, and that's the responsibility of the director to present good material. Um, the movement nature, but doing something repetitive like that to the point where you're crafting something really excellent so that you can reach a different level of achievement than maybe you would if you only did it for a week and you get to a level and you'd have a good experience but what happens if you transcend that and you push yourself further than you thought you could go it's that you see in young people that they do want structure they do want rules they do want to be pushed beyond what they think they're capable of and i think we tend to be so worried about students being overworked or overburdened and i think that's a that's a very caring mindset but in truth they want that they need that and and when they have it they can go beyond what even they thought was possible and seeing that light up is really important. But to, to your point about the science of it, they've even done grids where they've worked out the sounds, how long it takes for a sound from this person. There's grids. I have a, a grid of if somebody's standing on this part of the 30 on side one, it takes this many milliseconds for the sound to reach and you can do all those exercises so you you balance about okay well, your job because you're farther on the outside is to watch your hands and play with the hands of the drum majors because light is pretty fast if you're in the middle you're listening back to the drum line you're not watching so that all the sound arrives to the front at the same time and so there's all kinds of things we talk about about that so i i uh it's funny to to have your ears on it and to hear that. I didn't even bat an eye at that because that's just yeah. what they worry about yeah. all the time. I'm learning something about the challenges of marching band uh, discipline and acoustics today. It's a fascinating topic, yeah. We have another musical memory to share with you. <clears throat> this is an interview I conducted with a gentleman uh, here in Tucson. His name is Chris Dodge. You may know uh, I do know Chris very Chris well. Chris is a graduate of the School of Music and Percussion, and he's now a local composer, impresario, performer, arranger, runs the Tucson Jazz Fest. Anyway, Chris's story is not about being in a marching band. It's about his first exposure to a marching band. 
and what a profoundly moving experience that was for him and how that, in a way, set a direction for his life in terms of his relationship to music. Here's Chris Dodge. Hello, my name's Chris Dodge. I'm the executive director of the Tucson Jazz Festival. I'm also the conductor and music director of the Tucson Pops Orchestra. I grew up in rural Pennsylvania, so I was from Wellsboro, Pennsylvania. So, But a specific memory, we had a festival every year that uh, took place, and there was a big parade. It was the first time I heard a marching band. And I could, to this day, I could tell you where I was standing on the street when that band went by. And it was unlike anything I'd ever heard before. The power of sound waves hitting your body, I was mesmerized. And the band that, uh, that came was the uh, local high school band, the Wellsboro Hornets. The uniforms were white with green trim, and they wore those Q-tip hats. I, I, I tell you, I remember it super distinctly. That experience itself has it all, right? You're sitting on the curb. You're taking in the smells from the hot dog vendor down the street, right? You're seeing the floats come by, and the and you're hearing the parade and the and the bands come by. And my mom told me after I saw that, and I do remember this too. I I would go back to the um, house, get into her cupboards, pull out the pots and pans, and I started trying to trying to play and emulate what I had just seen and heard. When one is exposed to a musical experience at a young age, it opens up possibilities in your mind to things that you didn't know existed before. To me, that that one moment was probably the, the seed that birthed a lot of different things. Um, I moved away from Pennsylvania when I was 10 and went to a large city and got exposed. I started playing in the band. I I took piano lessons when I was a young kid, so I, I started having facility and music there. And, uh, you know, before you know it, by the time I'm a senior in high school, I'm playing in Carnegie Hall. And none of that would have happened if, if I hadn't seen and been inspired by something so young and, and seen that music and thought of those possibilities. Yeah, I just love, I love talking with Chris about this. <clears throat> I mean, I, can, I have faint memories of hearing marching bands as a, as a young child and the impact it had on me. And I, too, became a percussionist, a drummer. And, uh, but I listened to his story, and it's not only his personal story, but there's so much in there that's so much about America. He's talking about the hot dog vendor <laughs> and being on the curb and the crowd and the uniforms and, and everything. It's one of those instances where a memory that Chris shares with us there brings back not just the musical experience, but every sensory part of that experience, cultural, family, neighborhood, neighbors. Um, so w- w- what are your thoughts on uh, that? That's the, the first word was pure Americana. That, you know, it connects all of us through time. You, you can say something like that. There are cultural, iconic, iconoclast-type imagery that, that, um, that marching band in a parade with the flags waving and the whole thing conjures an image and maybe it's time specific now but it definitely conjures an image and we talk about as artists anyways we talk about the transformative power of music and music is a universal and it's the form of communication that is shared by everyone whether it's the same type or not Um, but the impact that it has on it and so when we talk about performing as a marching band that's we're at the football crowd we know some of them are going to get hot dogs some of them are going to get beer but if one person who's had a really hard week, is coming to the game, 
and in that one instant is taken out of that moment of struggle or despair and looks up from their hot dog or looks up from their beer and goes and taps their toe or claps their hand or goes, yeah, for that instant, you've made a difference in that person's life. And the power of that uh, is how the world changes. And, and so we talk about the responsibility as musicians in the marching band that, hey, this isn't, you don't know how many people you impact and the way in which you impact them. M- the majority of the members in the Pride saw the Pride at Band Day when they were in their high school band, and they were like, I'm doing that. And, and that's really, and then you'll see the kids come up and want autographs after games, things like that. And you know that that person, who knows what their, their story, but you, you, you have a hand in writing their story a little bit. You walk with them in this tiny little sentence in the chapter of their life that maybe has a, a very powerful impact on the trajectory of their journey, which is, I mean, awesome responsibility, but also the reason that you want to do it at the highest possible level so that that impact can be felt. We have a, there's a young little boy, we played his birthday party because he's been coming out to Bear Down Fridays, which is our Friday night pep rally. And his parents sewed him and made him a mini pride uniform. And he would come out and the hat and the whole thing. And so we decided to surprise him. His mom asked if the pep band would come out. And we came out to Reed Park and we walked up and he's wearing our, our, Pep band uniforms are red and white striped. We call them Waldos because everybody says, hey, where's Waldo when they see us? But they're a tradition. <laughs> and he's wearing his red and white striped shirt. And when the band came, he, I mean, it's everything. It lit him up and we hung out with him and had birthday cake with him and he wanted to, and he conducted. And, and you know, I mean, to me, that's kind of what it's about. And so I love hearing stories like that. I'm, you know, we've all had those moments that impacted us and changed kind of the way we look at the world and, I think that's really one of the best parts of what marching band can do. So interview number three, Brian, you want yes, to introduce um, this one for The us? last is by another student, Ashley Rodriguez, is another student of mine of the fall, and, um, and another, uh, as it happens, another percussionist. But um, I, I really enjoyed the story, and I'm excited to share it with you. Hi, I'm Ashley Rodriguez. I'm a sophomore at the University of Arizona, and I am studying psychology with a minor in film and TV. So in high school, I was a part of a marching band and I was the bass drummer. And so I learned a lot about timing and listening to my other bass drummers like in the front of me and then in the back of me and having to have that right timing. In marching band, we have cadences and stand tunes so stand tunes are the ones that the whole band plays and then cadences are the ones that only the drumline plays uh one of the famous like cadences that i remember is genesis and i remember it because i always had to start it off sometimes i would forget it <laughs> or i'd forget that i would have to start it off because it's like i have to play my part so that they can play their part because it's just empty of you that 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 that's definitely one of my core memories so we would actually have the halloween parades basically the elementary schools would invite us over and we would dress up in all of our costumes and we would parade around the school showing off our costumes and playing our stand tunes and the cadences and and just having like the kids look up at you 
and just be like, oh my god, look at this, look at this, you know, and all these things, like, it made it, like, worthwhile, because I also had, because I was a bass drummer, I had so much back pain from it, because it is such a heavy instrument, especially in the front, but yeah, even with all the pain, it's like, it made it all worth it to just walk around and see these kids, like, they're dressed up in, like, spider-man and like they're dressed up too so it's just a whole fun situation so for marching band we would have to memorize our show so with that being said i had it downloaded on my phone so that i could listen to it over and over and practice it and read the music at the same time i still have them in my phone so when i shuffle my music it comes on sometimes and it's like part three of espana you know (laughs) and so but I'll still listen to it, and I'll still, like, try to remember, like, what, what was my part. I feel like I'm on the field again. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think it's one of the cool things that any band kid that's done marching band from anywhere in the country can have a conversation and will echo very similar sentiments. You can have a conversation. I mean, you know, you'll see memes now and things on social media where the band kid says this and everybody understands. Everybody knows that the bass drummers are going to have sore backs and, and, and the kids will do. There's a very close connection to what we as a society value in sports going on in marching band. It just doesn't get the same coverage. But, you know, playing hurt, learning about leadership, you know, working as a team, um, fighting through adversity and overcoming it and achieving more than what you thought was possible. Those are all there in that that activity through the transformative power of music. So I think it, that elevates it even beyond. But it is a repetitive physical activity. So these kids get hurt. They play hurt. They twist their knees, their ankles. And in fact, in recent years, they have, you know, websites dedicated uh, doctors who were in marching band that do marching health and they come out and they teach routines and they work on a health system and nutrition and I mean it's very much now a part of that activity that you know pay attention to what you put in your body and how do you hydrate and what are the breaks like in between practices and temperature and all of those considerations but it becomes a part of kind of your identity for a long time you always remember your time in band um because I think you spend so much time doing it. Um, and I think that's what's special about what she said is it takes her right back. It's an immediate memory trigger like a smell or something like that. Hearing that music is immediately back to, okay, I, here I am and I know what I'm doing. One of the things that um, occurs to me, just because this resonates so much with what I did when I was in high school band, is I... I've yet to hear of a high school band who wasn't constantly doing outreach to middle schools and to elementary schools. It is, uh, you're, you're immediately, it's sort of like, oh, you're a man. Well, now you're going to recruit kids. You're like, you know, how do we get kids making music? And, and, and um, because, you know, the longevity of a band requires somebody else to hold the bass drum, you know, three, four years later. And, um, and also it, it makes sense pragmatically, but uh, just what that, what that means in individual lives. So uh, neither of, of the young women that have shared their stories here are in band now or music majors. They're not, you know, this is, this is their, their music, their time in marching band has passed. Um, and I think that's often the case, you know, I, I, the, for the bulk of people that they go through this. And um, 
And yet it's, it's such a powerful thing to carry forward, too. And, and many of the people I've interviewed in the course of this project that Brian and I have <clears throat> been working on musical memories for three years yeah, plus Coming now, up on now, yeah. Many of them reflect on the fact, if they're older people, not, not in college at this point, but they're older, 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever, reflect on the fact that they had tremendous experiences with music as a child that they treasure forever, whether or not that became what their life was about. If they stopped... If they gave it up, they regret it. If they stayed with it, they're happy to have done that the rest of their life. But those memories of youthful exposure to and experience with music, as you say, the teamwork, the discipline, the musicality, the relationship to the audience, uh, it stays with you forever, even if it's something you leave behind once you get out of high school. So, and I think all of these uh, uh, really testify to that. Yeah, no, it's definitely a, a transformative experience, to use that word probably too much, but I think, you know, the community outreach, I think, you know, here for the university, it's we're a, we're sort of a front door entity. I think there are front doors to a university. I think the arts are a big one. Athletics are a big one. But if somebody was like, what's the College of Fine Arts about? Their best, most seen element is the marching band, for better or worse. And I want it to be for better. I mean, my goal is to represent the School of Music and be the gateway drug, for lack of a better term, to get them in to see the opera, to get them in and see some of the amazing artwork or the Center for Creative Photography. You be That responsibility, you kind of bear that. But then it also does teach about community, especially in Midwest high school. Everybody wants every parade. That's a huge part of the high school band experience is marching in the town's parade for you know, Christmas or Thanksgiving or any of holidays or any specific community events. Everybody wants the band there. Um, And it's something I've wanted too. I I want the band to be sort of the lifeblood of the university. It's not a real event unless the pride's there. And that's what elevates it. And then people go, oh, this is a big deal. And they, they start to associate those two things. And then the students learn about the value of what they do. And that it's not an afterthought. And, and sometimes things are important just because you say they are, you know. And, and this what we do is important because we say it is. And it's, it's your time and energy and effort. If I went to a public event <clears throat> and the U of A marching band, the Pride of Arizona, showed up, I would certainly know it was a big deal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. That, that would be to me not only the magnificence of the music, but the fact that, the, that, that this huge ensemble of people is willing to come together and do this for me and for others. And probably wearing, you know, the same clothes or same outfit, you know, or whatever, like, you know, it's a, I mean, I, I remember long, long bus rides and, and loading up vans and, and all of the, all of the, the team of, of parents that help with a high school band, you know, and checking out your, your helmet with the floofy cotton tail, however Chris described it there a minute ago. Yeah, it's it's a it's quite an ordeal. No, it's a, it's a wonderful it's a wonderful thing to be a part of and to to have. I'm blessed because I get to interface with the president of the university and the coaches and the a lot of the donors and things like that, just specific to this place. And I'm so grateful for that opportunity to be able to talk to them about how special these students are, how important what we do is, and then be able to demonstrate to them. Look at these kids working their win or lose. The band's on fire right now, and they are giving you everything they have. Look how amazing some of these students here are. I, have, I tell everybody all the time, I have the best students at the university because they give so much of their heart and their time to this place, and it makes them proud of where what, the, what they do. 
So, Chad Schupman, Director of Athletic Bands at the University of Arizona School of Music, thanks so much for being with us today and reflecting on musical memories related to experiences with band. It's been great having you here, and I think Brian and I are really uh, privileged to to have spent this time with you. Well, thank you both so much. This was a lot of fun. I've I've been looking forward to it, and it, it did not disappoint at all. This was great. Thanks. Thank you. I'm extremely grateful to the 140 people um, or more at this point who have sat down with us and recorded a story for the Arizona Musical Memory. It's allowing us to see more and more of the trends and the way that the many ways that people value music. If you haven't visited our website at musicalmemories.music.arizona.edu, please do so. And there you can find full-length interviews of the ones that we have used here today, the the shortened versions that we've um, presented here today. And if you like, at our website, you can submit a musical memory of your own, a sound file, an essay, a poem, even an illustration of some sort, or even suggest someone you know who you think might want to share their musical memory with us. So take a look at musicalmemories.music.arizona.edu. That's Lifetimes of Listening. I'm Dan Cruz. And I'm Brian Moon. Thanks for being with us. The executive producer of Lifetimes of Listening, the Arizona Musical Memory Podcast, is Brian Moon. The program is produced and edited by Dan Cruz. The Lifetimes of Listening website was created by Cynthia Barlow, Principal Information Technology Manager with the University of Arizona Fred Fox School of Music. Music is from zapsplat.com and from pixabay.com. Special thanks to the Fred Fox School of Music for hosting our website and UA Marketing and Communications for helping us launch this project, the archive, and this podcast series. For more information and to get involved in our research, visit musicalmemories.music.arizona.edu. This is Lifetimes of Listening, the Arizona Musical Memory Podcast. Podcast.